Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to episode 32, this time of Brighton Rock, an Albion podcast with me, Russell Guyver, with Peter Marsh. Hello. And once again with Robin Woolley. Welcome back, Robin. Hi, chaps. How are we doing this week? Not too yeah, bad. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's Let me been... see my trip to Southampton, you know. So. Yeah, and I see you've got yeah. a cat with you there as well, Peter. I have so... got a cat with me, yeah. There's three <laughs> cats in the room somewhere or other, so... <laughs> well, we've had a rather busy week, and actually, on one of the podcast uh, recordings I did this week, my cat made his uh, made her debut. Um, I'm not sure if anyone would have picked that up during the Spencer Vignes interview. Um, stay tuned uh, for that one if you haven't. Uh, keep your ears, keen ears, going for that. Anyway, it's been a busy week, and we've we're doing the third podcast of the week. Technically, you could argue the fourth of you includes Sunday of last week. We're recording this on Saturday of the weekend after. Um, because there's been a lot going on this week, uh, started well, at the top of the tree really was the really bad news and the sad news that Michael Robinson passed away on Tuesday at the age of 61 due to cancer. And we did a separate tribute episode where I interviewed Gordon Smith and quite a few other people. Uh, that represents episode 31. Check that out, guys, if you haven't already. Um, pretty sad news, of course, for anyone Albion related and plenty beyond. Uh, what did you make of that, guys? Yeah, very sad. I mean, a player that was before my my time, but obviously another one who you're aware of from from the the early Division One days, and obviously the Cup final, kind of an iconic player of that of that generation. And I think the other thing is how popular he was in Spain. I mean, mm-hmm. it's when you're seeing like Barcelona tweeting, you know, condolences, yeah. and he was on the front page of two of the main papers in Spain. Yeah, I um, think it, you know. Well, it yeah, I, I was didn't realize he was quite. I knew he obviously he was on TV and quite regular on TV, but I didn't realize it was front page news. That was like amazing. Yeah, yeah. Seeing yeah, say when I saw Barcelona tweeting, and you know, I think there were some amazingly high profile players that were tweeting as well um, yeah. about how well he under you know how well he understood the game and communicated it. And yeah, I must admit, I hadn't, I hadn't, I didn't really realize that he was revered to that extent. So yeah. 
Yeah, I think Iniesta and Xavi had had quotes, uh, Rafa Nadal as well, and other people. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he was essentially a household name all over the country. And I think it's hundreds of thousands of people follow the main accounts online. Um, And there was just hundreds of thousands of likes on there when they were saying, uh, you know, sort of condolences and uh, messages of uh, appreciation for him and for the work and he did. And still from memory, a comfortably our top flight top scorer, isn't he, as well? He's yeah, like exactly. He's on 30, 12, 13 or yeah, 30-something, yeah. 37. And 22 in his first season, which is yeah. uh, something which I think is going to be pretty hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We'll do well to find a striker who gets 22 goals in a season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And seemed a lovely guy, so so very sad news. But we, we had a yeah. dedicated episode to that, so if you haven't already listened, we'll recommend you check it out also in that episode i mentioned sid lowe's article in the guardian which was a very very nice um article uh, online about uh, about michael robinson there as well sid lowe being a spanish-based journalist so um worth checking all that out um there's been a lot of news in general actually i should mention trevor cherry has passed away as well um a stalwart at leeds second legend at leeds isn't it um, in the last week or so that's died following norman hunter um cherry was a defender despite the well, sort of genteel sounding name. He's not, uh, he wasn't, he was a pretty tough guy, I think. Um, there quite a lot of those in that Leeds team, I think. There weren't, there weren't many, Revy uh, didn't uh, play many kind of, uh, kind of no, that's right. ball-playing players. It was mainly quite a kind of hard men, should we say. Absolutely. And he, he was a long-term player for them as well. 486 games, I think it was, for, for them um, pretty much all in the top flight, I think, or most of it. Um, but either way round. Um, in fact, I think he was in their team when they... Uh, won the league title in 74. I might be remembering that wrong. But anyway, he was, um, yeah, another another legend of the game and he's passed away uh, at the age of, I think, 70-something, 71 maybe. But anyway, uh, that was bad news. There's also lots of other news this week again. Um, lots of discussions going on. First of all, it started with UEFA setting the Premier League and other European leagues a May the 25th deadline to provide plans for their uh, intentions to restart the season. As it stood at the time, Premier League are hoping to resume on the 8th of June. I think since then that's been slightly put back to the 10th or 12th or something. Um, but anyway, that, that was at the beginning of the week. On that same day, uh, some big news. League Earn uh, became the first, or the, sorry, the highest profile league, uh, European league to cancel their 1920 yeah. season following the same move that had happened earlier from Holland's Eredivisie uh, last week. Uh, later in the week, it was announced... Uh, in France, that those positions will be awarded based on a uh, points-per-game basis. So PSG, who were 12 points clear with a game in hand and a vastly superior goal difference um, after the most recent round of games, have been declared champions. Second place are Marseille, third place are Rennes. They go into the Champions League. Um, But there's been a strong chance that legal action may follow from not only relegated Toulouse and Amiens, who were arguing they would have had a good chance of surviving, but also from Lyon, who missed out on one of the European places. Um, this followed the French Prime Minister having banned all sporting events in September. That's why they decided to cancel mm. the season. Um, and a similar basis to what had happened in Holland. Um, so PSG, by the way, also uh, worded a statement after this announcement regarding their Champions League participation, expressing a willingness to play abroad if necessary and sanctioned. So um, so Belgium, Holland and France have all now appear to have cancelled or be cancelling, um, while Germany uh, with the 9th of May, I think it is their planning, Italy with the 18th and England with the 8th or 10th of June, Portugal, I think end of May and Denmark end of May are all planning to still go ahead. 
as it currently stands. So what do you make of that news, particularly regarding France and, uh, and Holland? They've, they've had come up to different decisions, haven't they, on yeah. how to include the season? Well, I, I don't think France's was a decision anyway, was it, in terms of stopping it, because they basically had no chance of, of playing. But yeah, it's interesting that they've awarded, they've not gone ahead with the Dutch way and cancelled it. They've gone and kind of tried to, I suppose in PSG sense, a bit like Liverpool, they're so far clear that they were always mm. going to win it. But it does make a, yeah, it's a difficult one for, certainly one of the relegated teams wasn't too far behind. And it's, it's a difficult one. But as we said before, I don't think there's any right answer, really. It's all like whatever the least wrong answer is. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And uh, just as an offshoot of all that, um, FIFA... Uh, went on uh, a little bit later in the week to propose a temporary increase to the number of permitted substitutes that teams could make when football resumes. I'm assuming this is on the assumption it uh, it resumes this season rather than just football resumes with the new season. Um, but anyway, the proposal would allow teams five subs to protect players who have had long layoffs. So if the proposal were to be approved by IFAB, who of course set the rules, uh, then the Premier League would then decide whether to implement it or not. So it's still an optional thing, but it's just a a suggested allowance basically by FIFA. Um, Increased substitutions would only apply to competitions ending or starting in 2020. Yeah, so that that includes... Oh, okay. So that would include the 2020 21 season. Yeah, I think it's the next two seasons, this season and last season. Yeah. 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 So that was news that came out on Monday. So um, I don't know if you guys have got any comments on that as well. I suppose it's a sensible idea and one we might. It's a sensible idea. I don't really like messing with the status quo very much. It kind of feels like. if If you need to take that many precautions to get us back playing, then maybe you're trying to rush it. Yeah. Yeah. Feel like this is being forced a bit, doesn't it? Up and down the uh, Europe, yeah. yeah. And the fact that they're saying you can only do it in blocks of three, so you can mm. only make five changes in blocks of three, which yeah. again, That's it's odd. um, yeah, it's a bit odd. It's like if you're going to extend it to five, then extend it to five. Yeah, yeah. It feels like yeah. doing something to say you're doing something rather than actually having any sort yeah. of real benefit to it. I mean, I don't really understand. So, I mean, surely if you're going to worry that much, you don't have 11 substitutes. So every player could be taken off at some point. Well, yeah, I mean, and they were saying they didn't want it in, they didn't want, they wanted it in blocks of three to try and avoid lots of time wasting. But then surely if the referee is doing his job and adding the time on. But they don't, they never do, do they? So, yeah, they never do. Yeah, it just seems a bit odd that you're forcing, at some point you're forcing people, if you say, if you want to make all your five changes, you're forcing someone to make two double changes. Yeah. Yeah. Which might, you know, which is a is a bold, it's a, a typical, bold decision. A lot of it's the a time, typical so. footballer thing. I just, I just would be quite fun to see someone making a quintuple substitution. Yeah, do you think? Yeah, could you just do the whole lot? Just like you literally change your entire midfield four or something. I mean, that'd, that'd be a pretty interesting dynamic, wouldn't it? If you actually change that. But are they going to allow? Are they going to allow you to have more match day subs, like in the squad? Oh, um, I'm, not I that I saw. It. I didn't see that. Yeah. To be honest, but I don't. Mm. I don't know. They may take the view at seven's enough. <laughs> yeah, you like change your goalkeeper and your whole back four because you're like two 0 down. You've conceded really bad goals so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not allowing uh, refs to get subbed, are they? I guess that's one other thing. Well, would they be uh, with their long layoffs? Would they be able to handle ninety minutes? Who knows? Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they would with what they do. One of the but, teams will uh, take over instead. You know, I'll take over as the referee. Yeah. You know. Um, well, all of that led up to probably the biggest news of the week, which was the focus around Friday's meeting. Um, Project Restart, uh, it was being dubbed. It was the Premier League's meeting, essentially, on Friday to discuss what to do uh, going forward. Um, 
essentially ahead of that meeting uh, discussion or they were discussing what, what it was to be what it was to be called um, and as they were talking about uh, the matter an unnamed Premier League owner uh, was speaking to Sky Sports News and he was quoted as saying we simply cannot afford to not play but nothing will be done without government approval. If we wait for a vaccine or herd immunity, it could be 18 months without football and 90% of clubs, in his opinion, would go bust. Even if we uh, sack 95% of our employees, we still go bust because we still would have to pay the players. No one will be forced to play. It is ultimately um, the player's decision. And if the players don't want to play, it will be their call. There is no desire to end the season at this time we want to play the games. That was a one quote from, a, as I said, an unspecified it's owner. It's difficult. I was thinking about this. Do you think you may be in a situation where player wages have to dramatically reduce for for a season mm-hmm. because you're basically they've been able to pay massive wages off the back of the sub of the associated yeah. revenue that's coming in. Mm-hmm. So if the revenue isn't coming in, mm-hmm. then you can't really justify paying yeah. out the cost can you if the 760 yeah. or whatever it is that we apparently would have to pay back or premier league would have to pay back if they didn't fulfill their tv objectives potentially yeah i mean if we, we haven't normally you would you would then claim whatever you've had to pay back from your insurers but as we know that's probably not going to be covered mm. so then also, you, i suppose can't they you would think they could hedge it against future broadcast deals because it's not like yeah. they're not going to get massive broadcast deals in the future so it's yeah. like couldn't you just say fine we are going to pay this money back but actually it's it's going to come back to you in the next over a yeah. period of five years it's as you know, really, the next yeah. tv deal because you're not renegotiating an extra year at the end of the current deal exactly pushing the time periods for those contracts yeah, and, yeah. by which and, stage we're in a better position yeah and backload it if necessary or whatever you know to, to yeah. realign the, the cash think, flow I still think the big issue is that there are there are four leagues who still haven't announced what they're doing in the UK in England, and hmm. they have very different, you know, kind of the lower two leagues are completely different reality perspective than the top two, or certainly the big clubs in the in the Championship and then the Premier League clubs because the Premier League clubs need to do it to get TV money, but the lower division clubs won't probably get that much from that, and they they basically can't basically lose money without having fans there basically. And it's kind of like it's a really difficult thing system for the two of them because how do you how do you combine that? If one of the two divisions, the Championship and below, decide to stop, but then the Premier League carry on, and it kind of, you know, where yeah. do you kind of have a promotion relegation? Do you then just right. say only two down for Premier League and let West Brom and Leeds go up, but yeah. not have playoffs? Well, I was talking to a I was talking to a League One player this week, and the the vibe very much seems to be that a lot of players are very nervous about restarting, um, partly from a a, a, a point of not being able to social distance during matches as we, we talked about last week so if you've got everyone crowding around for for corners and free kicks and all of that you, you cannot socially distance the fact that to get the EFL season completed they reckon they'd need about 100,000 tests which you'd be taking away from you know potentially other yeah. frontline people and just the general public generally um, and the, the the opinion was very much that it, it's just difficult, it's difficult to handle. But if they do carry on, the the steer that a lot of people seem to be giving is that there'd be no relegation in the mm. EFL that they would promote. I think we've talked about mm. that before. So that you'd end up probably with, I don't know how exactly how they, you'd end up with probably twenty two teams in the Premier League. You'd end up with a smaller League Two, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then okay. you'd have to realign it over the next season or two seasons to balance itself back out. Yeah, and there'll be conversations obviously going down to the National League with who... Yeah, so we it. don't know what the National League have decided yeah. yet, do we, in terms yeah. of promotion? So I, I think, think it's... It is possible to socially distance at corners, though. Albion have done it before. I mean, that first season <laughs> of the Premier League, we spent quite a lot of time socially distancing, defending at corners. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, very true as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Ahead of our time. We, we were, yeah. We were breakers in every way, you know. Um, I mean, this is the thing. Everyone talks about the... the the triangle um, or the, the, the structure of the English game. And it's brilliant. It is something to be proud of. But unfortunately, this is the one time it is, does put an yeah. awkwardness, doesn't it? Because there's so many connotations so far along the lines. I know you can you can cut it off in a certain way somewhere, but it's not. It's messy, isn't it? Well, in a way, it's it going to be messy unless you do exactly the same thing at all levels and they've not yeah. done that because they've cancelled the season at the, the bottom. So even if you go down to level eight, something's got to give somewhere. Yeah. You know, seven and eight or whatever it was. That were yeah, I completely. think... I think realistically, I think the top, I think the the Premier League, the EFL and the National League Premier, essentially, whatever they're called these days, those five leagues have really got to do the same thing because they very closely feed into one another, don't they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, the proposals anyway for Project Restarts going into the meeting were the, the testing of all players and officials 48 hours before returning to training, players to wear snoot or masks at all time. We'll get into the details on that in a minute. Um, players and staff uh, banned from spitting at the training grounds, no massages unless approved by club doctor, and all equipment to be disinfected before and after use by staff wearing PPE. Um, that was what was being said beforehand, and also beforehand, Glenn Murray was being quoted, Albion's own. Um, he laughed off the proposals as they initially stood, saying, uh, we'll all be hindering ourselves with things like face masks, it's going to be off-putting and unnatural. People will be ripping them off in the middle of games. Um, so he thinks it's quite farcical. Um, and he also said he and other players only want it done when sensible to do so. Um, that was the, the, the general notion. Um, and I, I think there was also further uh, apprehension from the police. Um, they, they were reticent, saying, well, Deputy Chief Constable Mark Roberts was um, pointing out that mass disobedience would if it happened, would lead to the need to just reconsider the whole thing. So it could get stopped as soon as it started if things go wrong. A return to normality would also see a return to the normality from the criminal elements as well. So it would increase their policing workload elsewhere mm. at the same time. Um, and so it's, it's a bit messy. There was also um, another ongoing debate regards the proposed regular testing of players while public health workers and others need the test, as you've said, Robin. Um, yeah. So it's a delicate subject. But I mean, essentially, the players, and you've alluded to it with who you said you spoke to, um, there seems to be a lot of um, apprehension um, about this altogether. Yeah, so, they just don't, just don't really want to. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't I blame think, them. It's, I'd be like that as well, I think, in that situation. Yeah. And Gary I Neville, think the other thing is that if you're, that they've talked about they're having to do the whole thing at 10 neutral grounds. Yeah. Which is going to be a legal minefield because you're, yeah. you're then depriving you can make the fairly easy legal argument that if you've not had your, your obviously everyone's in the same boat, but you could argue if you're a team that had say three or four winnable home games left in your yeah. run-in and you're being yeah. forced to play them at a neutral venue, it's not a very difficult legal argument to say that you've been, you know, it's in, it's not right that you're being forced to lose that advantage. And even also in crowd. 
even more so in League One as well, where they've got so many random number of games left for different teams. Some teams yeah. might actually have a couple more home games left than others, two or three more. Albion even have got like one more home game left than some teams. You know, it's a, we've played one more away than home. So you yeah, could argue difficult. that that's, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll come to a little bit more detail about what they came up with as a notion on the Friday a little bit later. But just to finish off what they were saying beforehand, Gary Neville had also expressed his apprehension. He was saying that players at both higher and lower levels were scared about safety, so it reinforces what's been said. Um, He also said that those in the lower tiers were also scared about the immediate economics of the current situation, which, of course, is the ongoing issue. Um, Speaking of which, a number of other bits of news, announcements from clubs up and down the land, Derby players... Another non furloughed staff have agreed to furrows. QPR players have agreed 25%. Reading under 23s are on furlough in their women's team also. Uh, COV players, 25% agreeable, uh, agreed wage deferrals for the foreseeable. Um, also at Blackburn and Bolton later in the week. And abroad, uh, Monaco had already um, agreed deferrals, but actually Cesc Fabregas, um, on top of the 30% that had been agreed, has gone one step further by offering to defer all of his payments for the time being, which is commendable. Yeah. Um, so all of that was coming out as Just well. Just think Drew. of the practical nature of the, of the 10 ground thing. That yeah. means that nine times as many games will be played at those grounds than would normally be played, when you think it's like 91 grounds normally the games will be played at. So that, yeah. how on earth is that working in terms of ground staff, in terms of the pitches yeah. which you know, oh, make exactly. us up? It's just impractical yeah. isn't it it's like how do you get the practical how quickly do you have to turn around the ground between games and how but and we're, we're also getting to the point where you're going to be playing on these grounds at the time of year where they normally get a bit of a rest mm. you know that yeah. the summer they get a chance to have their pick yeah. you know a lot of grounds will be relayed over the summer there'll be a lot of maintenance work that will be going yeah. on on the pitch itself um yeah. and then you're then going to be presumably rolling straight into pre-season and, an, and another season yeah. pretty quickly. So you're going to, yeah. like you say, the grounds themselves are actually going to be battered. Yeah, yeah that, that's obviously effect, particularly going to affect those with less facilities or less, less finance and resource. Um, I was reading something or hearing something about uh, they've got technology under the pitch in the, um, the top level to actually sense where attention needs to be given to it as well. So they, they've got analytics that they It'll use. It'll be absolutely uh, everywhere. It's mad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not going to be happening at uh, Mansfield and Macclesfield and wherever yeah. else. Um, but even, I mean, even if you know suggestions... where... Sorry, Pete, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say, even if even a really good pitch will struggle to play, you know, nine times when you'd normally have one game on it, that's going to be a, even, even yeah, the best pitch is. in the country. Hmm. I mean, I've seen suggestions that they were going to play some games at training grounds instead of yeah. stadiums because then you would lessen the chance of people turning up because obviously mm. training grounds are a bit more... Mm. kind of secluded generally than than stadiums yeah. i mean and not every i would say not every fan necessarily knows exactly where their club's training ground is yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah so that's that's certainly something um going, going on to another couple of bits of news as well just small bits but um on friday bradford city suspended sales of their season tickets they get large numbers of season tickets uh sales as well actually because they do a cheap deal and i think they get five figures um in terms of the numbers um, but anyway, they, they've suspended season tickets from next season, um, saying that they've been informed, I didn't say who by, but they've been informed that next season is, to quote, highly likely, end quote, to commence behind closed doors. So, I mean, it's not really that much yeah. of a surprise, but that's, that's interesting that they've obviously taken the decision to not commit themselves to a whole load of admin headaches, I guess, um, potentially further down the line, which is probably sensible. Another thing that was interesting this week was um, 
a row developing between the mayor of Liverpool and the club, Liverpool FC, uh, regards gatherings. Um, it's been suggested, apparently, that the mayor uh, was calling into question uh, Liverpool fans' ability to be able to restrain themselves from <laughs> meeting should should the season go ahead behind closed doors and when they're not permitted to gather together. They took exception to this, the club apparently, and have sort of uh, hit out at the mayor and the mayor's then hit back. Um, essentially, there seems to be an unsaid agreement between all of the key figures within the city um, to work together not to have that happen and to, to speak on and dictate to, in this case, supporters that they shouldn't be doing that. Um, There's <laughs> not a chance people would abide by that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Well, even if you're someone's house, so even if you have people around your house, that's yeah. Gonna, I mean, I might be, I might be being too cynical, but to be honest, I, I would say it would be incredibly the chances of there being mass gatherings if Liverpool or if and when they win the title. Yeah. I can't see there not being mass gatherings. Yeah. I can't either. I mean, that's that's the other quirk of, of timing here, isn't it? That if this had been Man City already twenty-four points clear of having won the title last season, you can imagine that's going to be another. Uh, well, they never turn up when they're successful anyway, do they? So. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they certainly would, I think they would be much more willing and able to restrain yeah. themselves. Liverpool haven't won the title for 30 years. I can't imagine mm. them not gathering. There'll be, I mean, yeah, a lot of people will be able to stop themselves and will just keep it within house and just have a major party in their family homes. But, you know, there's going to be loads of won't. You're, you're going to want to celebrate with all the people that you've been going with for 25, yeah. 30 years, aren't you? Yeah. And I don't say that to put put them down because if, no, it's any no, club I'd be exactly the same. same yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Let's take. Let's say it was a out. Let, let's say that this happened in our promotion season. Yeah, I was going to say that. Exactly would same, you yeah. would you want to would you want to not share the moment with all the people you'd been with at with Dean and you know yeah. various away games around the country? Of course, of course, you'd want to be. Yeah. Of course, you'd want to be with everyone that you that you'd kind of been on yeah. the journey with. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, well, anyway, on the Friday meeting then, the upshots, there wasn't a great deal really that came out of it. What they said was um, that matches, if they were to be played, would only be played at eight to ten neutral venues. This was partly in response to what the police officer, uh, the police super had said, actually, um, regarding managing so many grounds. If it's eight to ten, it's more manageable as far as he was concerned. Um, they put back, that was it, the 12th of June rather than the 8th of June as a new possible date to work to. Um, project restart is subject to further change. And the other thing they said was, and this is probably the most key bit really, was that the next meeting is to take place on Thursday next week, which is the 7th of May, the same day and no doubt just a short while after the government's meeting on that same day to review their lockdown uh, policy. So obviously they're going to find out what the government says first and then react as soon as they can. The eight to ten ground slot, I just don't see how it's going to work because A, the comments earlier, but also you have to travel more as well. Players will have to travel, in, presumably in coaches. How on earth do you socially distance travelling on a coach to a football yeah. match as a, as a player? It's like it's, it's, yeah, the whole, it's just fraught with it's yeah. a non starter. And the same applies if you've got home and away games as well because you have to travel to away games. Um, yeah. And if you have like Brighton against Manchester United, how do you find a ground that's a neutral ground that works for both teams? There isn't one. So. Yeah, you know, Brighton Arsenal, you can play at Tottenham or something or play at Southampton or, and find a way. It's not too bad. But yeah. Brighton, Manchester United, it, Man it City. Fr- I mean, the, the whole thing for me with trying to keep the season finished was the integrity of the competition. I think yeah. if you fragment and jar and skew how the conclusion works, that yeah. probably even more well, so. I mean, that's, that's going back to the five subs thing. That's bringing the competition into disrepute because it yeah. could have been games that we would have fancied having a fourth and a fifth sub and the result might have been different. Yeah, because yeah. it's not... 
about fitness levels. It's about no. the ability to make more significant. You're making a fundamental change to the rules halfway through the yeah. season. They've still yeah. not sorted out contracts either. They've still not sorted out loan no. players. None of that's all, been just been kind of sorted out. It's all pretty problematic. I mean, the statement they made the, uh, the Premier League following the meeting was pretty generic, but it said at a, at a meeting of the Premier League shareholders today, clubs discussed possible steps towards planning to resume the 2019-20 season when it is safe and appropriate to do so. It was reiterated that the thoughts are, of all those are directly yeah. affected COVID. I, I mean, I, I was reading a thing that was saying if a, a decision that needs, for a decision to be passed at Premier League level, it needs 14 clubs or something yeah. Yeah. to agree to it. Yeah. I mean, what, what if you get to it? What if one club proposes, right, we're just, we want to can the season and 13 other clubs say yes? Exactly. And that, that's a point that Matt Lawson, I think, was in yeah. one of the this week made that very same point he said he would find it extremely difficult for anybody to talk them out of it um if 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 you're forcing one club to go distinctly against their, their own wishes for safety yeah. that's going to be a problem and it doesn't need the, the usual 14 on this occasion he doesn't think for it to, to become an issue that they might have to just pull the plug on but the, the contract thing as well becomes a real issue if someone like Chilotto decides as is but it is you know as he's entitled to do that he may not get an extension next year he doesn't want to risk injury for next season if he if you know that he so he doesn't want to extend past 30 for June and then we yeah. suddenly lose Montoya to injury basically we're kind of left with you know El Zarte who obviously is quite young and has had an injury as well or um a 19 year old Lamptey at right back which yeah. is you know it's not, you know, Again, not gonna... it's integrity of the competition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we said last week, what if you've got, what if you've got a player who's already signed a pre-contract deal to go and start somewhere else on the first of July? Yeah, it's it's very very messy, <laughs> and it sounds like um, from what's been said, there was a meeting also in uh, Italy. Serie A clubs are effectively mirroring what we want to do in terms of they're they're all still behind the notion of finishing the season. They're all committed to it. All of the Premier League clubs are as well. But again, it's this thing of timelines. Yeah. To be honest, right. I think a lot of I think a lot of Premier League clubs probably aren't committed to doing it, but they don't want to be the first one to break yeah. ranks and say we want to can it. Well, I can't believe all of the, I can't believe Norwich are that committed to it. Let's be honest. No, I, I can't I think believe Norwich would not yeah. vote for a cancellation, for example. Yeah, everyone's voting for a can. I think there's pro- yeah. probably the only clubs that want to see it through are probably Leicester, Liverpool, and Sheffield United, and Liverpool. Liverpool and Wolves probably as well. Yeah. Because they're on the edge of Europe, of uh, Champions League, aren't they? Pretty I mean, much. depending on, I mean, that's the other question is all over Europe, how they're going to work out the, you know, if you do can the season, how do you work out the, the yeah. European places? Because, yeah. I, mean, I mean, Villa would want to see the season carried out if the alternative was um, yeah. to do average points thing. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, so I say there's probably the vast majority of clubs in the Premier League would probably be quite comfortable counting it, but they don't want to be yeah. the first one to break yeah. rank. That's why I said, if you've got a group of 14 or 15 that all yeah. essentially came out together and said yeah. nah. Without being too cynical, and this isn't to cast any aspersions on Norwich, but could Norwich possibly, even if they don't have major concerns, say they do? In yeah. order to... Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, you're going to force one team to play? Yeah, and if you're a player for a team genuinely mid-table, say for example Palace or someone like that, what's your motivation? What's your kind of you know, yeah. you're basically potentially putting your health at risk for yeah. basically to try and see whether you finish ninth or thirteenth well, or whatever. On, on that point, Carl Robinson was interviewed this week as well, talking about obviously the Oxford in the in his division, um, and he had a notion. I think it was that what about if only teams that had something to play for played that would reduce the number of games 
with that. But then what happens to go, who plays who then? You know. Yeah, the, the, again, yeah. the integrity of the fixture list just gets yeah. blown out of the window. It's an interesting idea, but I'm not sure it's one that's workable. Again, that's one of those things where they're just playing for playing's sake. It, the integrity of the competition is not kept going if only yeah. certain teams play, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's exactly. to say one team wouldn't lose all their games from mid table or win all their games from mid table and Yeah, exactly. Where would you, if you said fine we're gonna have a we're gonna have some sort of playoff, mini playoff involving the teams that could go down, how far up do you go? Yeah. Go yeah. I mean I suppose you'd say fine, you go up to the level where mathematically someone could still go yeah. down. But then, but then at a lot the moment of that'll cover like everyone. Halfway up. Yeah, yeah. that'll cover but with this many games left that would pretty much cover there's no one really who's actually so much in mid table that they can't do anything. It just yeah. is unlikely for a lot of them. Some of them. Yeah, it's, it's the whole thing's fraught. Well, and I, I think probably that... it's the PR element of if you're going to can if you're going to cancel the season, you can't give Liverpool the title. No, basically, because I mean, if you're original... canning it, you're canning it. Yeah, my original proposal, and I, I, I stand by it because I think you just have to say it's the most extreme cause. Is we go back to the European places from last year, you can it. Yeah. European places that go back to where they were at the beginning of this season, and you pretend it never happened. And that's basically, and you have to say to teams like Leicester and Sheffield United, you have to say, look, you know, sorry, but this is there is something bigger yeah, going on exactly. in the world. You know, there are hundreds of thousands of people have died, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know, you need to, we need to get back to some sort of level of normality. And yes, it might be unfair, but this is the, yeah, yeah, the least unfair way of doing it. Yeah, it's one of those things that happens, isn't it? If if that's the way it needs to be, then yeah, it's hard to argue against that. I think, and maybe um, even just go back to the fixture list from this year as well. So we play Watford yeah, away for play the game. whole thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, we could do, couldn't we? I suppose that would be a weird kind of Groundhog Day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scenario. We well, played them the away from home first first game two seasons in a row anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We've we've probably already made the hotel booking for next year anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Marvelous. Yeah. Anyway. yeah. Well, uh, one of the I'm sure we'll be talking about it again. Yeah. still, Probably in three I, weeks' I, time I, when I, they haven't decided I anything. Quite a bit. Yeah. Um, one of the bit of news that um, I observed this week was that uh, good old Alan Pardew has left um, his current club, Den Haag, in Holland after all. There were seven points adrift of safety. The season, obviously, they got concluded. So technically, he was entitled to a bonus, um, which apparently he didn't receive. And he, saw, he said if he would, he would, he would donate it to uh, charities um, because he had technically <laughs> kept them up, even though not really. <laughs> Um, he had done a poor job there by the looks of it. I mean, I think they were a club in trouble already, to be fair, before yeah. he was there. Um, he brought a load of random English players who were pretty useless reserves for most of the yeah, lower divisions. Actually, yeah. and, and he, he had Chris Powell, didn't he, there as his number two and someone yeah. else as well. Um, but anyway, he, um, I know, note with interest that this September would have been the end of his Newcastle contract. <laughs> do you remember the eight-year contract? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. I was going to do a quiz at the beginning, but actually I was disappointed to find it wasn't as many as I thought. How many clubs actually out of interest do you think he's been at since he left Newcastle? Which was three. I'm going to go three. Yeah. And Peter? Six. Yeah, I'd actually guess six. And Robin's correct. It's only three. I was surprised. He has been unemployed for a fair bit. I think he was at Newcastle for three years, wasn't he? And I think two of them were with the New Deal or something. Or did he get the New Deal? yeah. Straight away, I don't remember. Yeah, they already but, uh, didn't like him, and then they gave him like an eight-year, nine-year deal. That was they? a yeah. standard Ash. That was yeah. a standard Mike Ashley thing. If the fans don't like him, let's give him a billion-year contract. <laughs> yeah, fans do like him. Let's get rid of him then. This, you know, yeah, basically. Benitez. The Raf- that was the Rafa's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Rafa situation. Isn't it? <laughs> um, speaking standard. of Newcastle, speaking of Newcastle, obviously they've they've been in the news with the potential takeover. 
uh, a bit of an unsavory element to the to the fact that a lot of people are not happy with the uh, with the background of the major potential new shareholder. Uh, Saudis, um, human rights questions. There's issues with streaming, which we talked about last week as well, didn't we? Um, with with complications with that. Um, but they've they've made it clear, or Pochettino has at least, that uh, the Poch is the new target. Should the money come in, that's the man they'd like to take over. I'm sure Steve Bruce is welcoming this news uh, this week. <laughs> Very harsh on Steve Bruce, to be honest. Yeah, he's done well, really. I mean, he's considering he's they've got, a, yeah, exactly, with the squad that they've got. Yeah, um, they just amble along unremarkably to an extreme degree, and they they don't. He would get some big a... home. They get some big results when they need yeah. them. They didn't yeah. spend forty million on Gillington to uh, have him score two goals, though, whatever it was. Although no, fair. Yeah. That is a fair. fair <laughs> it's been a bargain, hasn't it? <laughs> Four, five more Joe Lintons with your two hundred million pound budget, and you get relegation again anyway, potentially. Yeah, well, exactly. So, any thoughts on Pochettino as a potential? Guy? I mean, it's obviously a good sign. I just think at the yeah. moment the nineteen million a year they're talking of paying is absolutely obscene given their furlough their staff, and I know that's Mike Ashley's done it rather than um, hmm. rather than the new owners and the the money, the situation, the, the all economies are going to be in the fact that they're going to spend nineteen million a year on Pochettino allegedly. I also don't. I also don't necessarily think Pochettino would want to go there. To be honest, I mean, I get it for nineteen million a year. It depends how much how much funding is going, and as yeah. the, the it's not going to. Ha- I mean, it's not going to be a kind of football manager scenario where you plough in two hundred million and win the title within two years. I mean, they no. probably would win some stuff, but it's going to be four or five years before. I mean, yeah, I suppose it City, depends on Pochettino did lose a bit of his, his his you know image this year. He kind of lost his way a bit at Spurs, and I wonder if one or two bigger clubs are a bit put off by that. So whether it is yeah, a better I think option. it's fair. But I suppose the flip side is if you go to a club like that and you're given two hundred billion pounds to spend, or two hundred million, whatever they're going to get to yeah. spend, and you don't win anything, yeah, that's, that's kind of. Uh, yeah, but you could probably live it, off the ninety million a year that you get for quite a while, and probably a bit of payoff if you get slapped as well. Yeah, I suppose Ooh. it depends. Yeah, how much kind of prince? He seems like quite a principled man, doesn't he? But I suppose if someone waves nineteen million in front of your nose, then. That's going to test anyone's principles, yeah. isn't it? I mean, they are obviously one of the sleeping giants for all the facts. I don't, you know, yeah, they always have been, about yeah. it. They've got so much, so, so many, such a big crowds every week, even when they're struggling, even when actually so, you know, so unpopular, they get like pretty much sellouts in James's Park most weeks. And, yeah. you know, they, they are a sleeping giant. And, yeah, who yeah. knows? I mean, if they, they obviously spend it on all Jalinton equivalents, then they're, going to, they're not going to do very well. But you can't, you fancy Pochettino would do a pretty good job there, probably, sadly. Mm. Well, another favourite story of mine, which popped up before and is, has continued uh, this week, uh, good old Ronaldinho <laughs> is near Greg Harrison. Um, I presume you're aware of what happened beforehand, are you? Yeah. Uh, he, he in prison, was in prison, wasn't he? Yeah, for carrying false papers and passports and so on earlier in the year. Um, he's been speaking this week about the situation. Um, I think he's just been released. So he's expressing his surprise at having discovered that the Paraguayan, yes, Paraguayan, not Brazilian passports that he was carrying was illegal. Um, along with his brother and business partner, they were arrest- arrested on the 6th of March. I thought it was earlier than that, actually, but apparently not. Um, as they attempted to enter Paraguay, um, they were all held in prison for 32 days until their release on bail on the 7th of April. Bail, by the way, was £1.3 million equivalent. Uh, which is quite hefty, isn't it? Mm. Um, I'm sure they're not cashing in on the situation there. Um, anyway, Ronaldinho said, our intention has been to collaborate with judicial authorities to clear up the facts. We've explained everything and done everything officials have asked of us. It was a real blow. I never imagined that I would go through something like this. And this is my favourite bit. 
all of my life I've tried to be as professional as possible and bring joy to people. Um, hmm, uh, comedy genius, anyone? <laughs> I mean, he was a fantastic player, but I'm not sure professional is the word I'm thinking of. No. His party time. No. On that, have you seen the other news that came out about him yesterday? No, I've missed Which that. Which is that when he, he, when he re-signed for Flamenco towards yeah. the end of his career, he insisted on having a nightclub clause in his contract that basically <laughs> entitled, him to, it entitled him to go out for two nights a week every week. <laughs> That must be one of the most random clauses in football contracts. Yeah, so this was, um, he signed for Flamenco in 2011 uh, when he left AC Milan and he made it clear that it was a deal breaker, that if they didn't offer him this, uh, then he wouldn't sign. Um, Yeah, so they gave him him this clause that basically allowed him to go out out two nights a week. Isn't it like um, a Oxford quote, isn't it? I wouldn't want to join any club that would have me as a member. It's almost <laughs> like you wouldn't want to have anybody who would want that clause to, <laughs> to have that clause. Anyone no. that would probably is okay to have it. <laughs> yeah. It's not, uh, it'd be a bit risky for us to offer that to uh, <laughs> some elements of our Yeah, squad, but some players I can think of would probably take yeah. advantage of that. I mean, I still don't get what the hell he was up to because apparently, according to Tim Vickery, you don't need a passport to travel between the two countries anyway. No, so I heard that as well. So. <laughs> yeah. So very it's very and just as a footnote, I mentioned this to my wife and just reminding her who Ronaldinho was. She goes, oh, is that the guy that looks like Jar Jar Binks? I'm not a big fan of Jar Jar Binks, but I was quite a fan of that comment. I thought that was quite <laughs> um, Changing things back to the Albion, seeing as we are an Albion podcast after all, um, I was listening to an interview this week from Mark Warburton, who I've got quite a bit of time for. I think he's a good guy and a good manager maybe been a bit unlucky in a couple of his uh, previous roles. As you know, he's at QPR at the moment. Mm. And he's tipped a player that I highly regard anyway. Um, I think it's Eberechi, as his first name properly pronounced. Uh, Eze, I'm sure you guys are yeah. familiar with yeah. him. Um, he, he reckons he's going to be a top six Premier League player, 100%. Um, I wonder what your view was on him. I really rate him. I've not seen a huge amount of him. When I have seen him, he seems to have it all. He's got energy, yeah. he's got industry, intelligence, good through balls. He gets yeah. scored a lot of goals. I've not seen a huge amount of him either, but yeah, I've seen on he seems to be one of those players that on his day can absolutely yeah. just rip a team to bits fairly quickly. Yeah, he's um, got a nice goal. Um it's been linked with Spurs, hasn't there? And I think yeah, I'd imagine sort of, that uh, he's he's probably gonna go slightly higher up the uh, Yeah, unfortunately he would. I'd love to see him here. Although, of course, the Cessignon thing might put players off going to Spurs because Cessignon's not really moved on the way that people thought he would over the last since he's gone there. So, I I don't know. I fancy Eze to get some kind of Letizia-style goals in the course of his career as time goes on. Those sort of like chip it over and then volley it in types. Um, But he's a very good player. Out of interest, and maybe this isn't appropriate to talk about this at the moment, but I'm going to anyway. (laughs) Um, Teams and players that you would like to see. I mean, who else would you fancy the Albion to get? Assuming we're Premier League next season. I've heard Leeds have got this really great centre-half that we should look to sign. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he sounds all right, doesn't he? Yeah, Yeah, he does seem all right. Um, The the only one that I would love us to get in is another one from Brentford. Yeah. Yeah. And I... there's a couple of Brentford I fancy there. Is um, it Embueno? No, the other, the other one. Watkins. Uh, Buendia. No. Watkins. Buendia? The other one. No, not oh. Watkins. Is it Bella? Oh, why did you pronounce it? Oh, Bella. Yeah, he was a bit linked with Villarama. Yeah, Benrama. Um, oh, yeah, exactly. Ben Rama. He's the boy. Yeah. Um, he's one I've just seen him. I was 
fairly soon before football got canned where they won. Did they win 5 0 at Hull? I think they did, yeah. I think they had a. And yeah. he scored a hat trick, and he was just. I've seen quite a lot of him on highlights and, and live games this year, and he was just. He was kind yeah. of like. It reminded me quite a lot of Knockart at his yeah. kind of championship peak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a player that I would. Um, yeah, well, like he, to see us get. I mean, I, I didn't think we'd get players from Brentford until we signed Morpay because of the uh, animosity. Yeah, the apparently. animosity. Yeah. Yeah, but obviously it just shows football, football in the end, and they they wouldn't have dealt with each other directly. So I suppose it's all fair love and war. Yeah, when money's uh, waved under the nose, yeah, it makes yeah. a difference, doesn't it? I wonder if Brentford, being a club that very clearly has got a good system going on there, they're, they're uh, resourcing players that are maybe under the radar or or just off the off the usual uh, focus points, and getting them in and developing them, uh, turning them into the next step as being Premier League ready. Maybe we will return there and get some other players in from there. I think they. Yeah, because then we're doing the next bit, aren't we? In that, which is then you're taking a player who's shown to be Premier League ready. We're giving them a shot and seeing if they actually are Premier League ready. Yeah. And then if they're yeah. any good, then we could sell yeah. them on for. And I think whatever all, it is. those guys are all mucking in. I know Eze's got 12 goals and eight assists, which is pretty good for a midfielder, um, attacking midfielder. But I think those guys must be on similar stats. I haven't checked that, but uh, they're pretty good. What about um, Puki as well? I do like Puki and. Obviously, he's gone off the boil in terms of his scoring rates as the season wore on, but that's as much to do with Norwich's yeah. play as, as, as well as his form. Is he good if enough? Would he add something? If they go down, I'd, I'd rather go maybe for the fullback, Aaron's, although whether we will go for another young right back, I don't know, and whether he's also probably yeah. a bit above our level anyway, might go to a, a bigger team, but he's I really like player. him. Yeah. yeah. Todd Cantwell's a good player as well. Yeah, he is as well. Yes, we could do it a bit more bite in midfield, arguably. And he seems yeah, to... he's a bit more of a... He, he seems, even though he's 20 or 21, he's, he's not short of confidence. I've seen him have a few... Considering he's, like, he's not that physically imposing, I've seen him have a few kind of stand-up spats with, um, with some bigger players yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah well, um, we'll see. Obviously, that's all in the course of time. But um, coming up towards half-time orange time, boys, here, boys, uh, I think we're going to have to... Uh, have a break for, uh, for part one shortly. But just before we do, a couple of bits of Albion news to finish on. Um, something we haven't mentioned yet. The launch of the Thank You NHS uh, edition of the current home shirt. Uh, yeah. Another brilliant move by the club. Proceeds yeah. going into local facilities through the Albion as one fund, isn't it? I think is yeah. the way it's Correct. working. Yeah. Um, Robin, you're a big fan anyway. You've ordered it already, haven't you? Yeah, I ordered it literally as soon as the email came in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, may, partly because... Partly because it's obviously a great cause. Um, And secondly, I think it actually looks great. As Paul Barber mentioned in his interview, we're lucky in that our home colours kind of coordinate with the NHS colours anyway. So I think it actually looks quite natural. It doesn't look like they've taken a random, you know, kind of sponsor logo and stuck it on the front. To me, it actually looks like... I mean, that's the kind of thing you like the Albion to do, is actually whether they would just actually wear that for an entire season. You could see, mm-hmm. I could see that being something that Amex would probably get on board with. That yeah. actually, maybe you yeah. did that. You know, you might do that for an entire season as a strip. Yeah, they might um, do which yeah. some positive publicity, so they might be willing to and do it. And thirdly, just because I like buying these kind of rare one-off, like the Palookaville kit from how many years ago. You like these? Yeah. I like these kind of limited edition yeah, I've ones. Got that one. yeah. yeah, I've got that. It's not my favourite Albion kit. That it's just a. Uh... Unfortunately, it's one of those ones that's not particularly flattering no. <laughs> to be worn. But colour-wise, it's, uh, colour it's uh... This is the navy it's one, a... isn't it? The navy yeah. one. Yeah, and the one which is kind of, it's basically lycra. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's not comfortable either. And I do. It's I not comfortable have, or flattering, really. I haven't <laughs> seen it recently. I've got a feeling it may have been re- uh, recycled without my. Was, I was going to say, was it bund- was it bundled up with all your programs? <laughs> yeah, it might have been. Another one for the uh, for the tick list of things that annoy me. Um, it may have been. It may also, in fact, it definitely wasn't flattering. Although I've lost a bit of weight since the lockdown, so uh, I could have got back into that now. Maybe never mind. <laughs> but um, I, I agree. I think it looks good for anyone that hasn't seen this uh, this new NHS shirt. It's the home sh- the home kit with NHS instead of Amex in the middle advertising section, isn't it? There's no other amendments. No, exactly. There's nothing it. else. But yeah. it, said, it just looks very natural. As a kid, yeah. to me. So. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting it. I'm, I'm on zero income at the moment, so I'd, I'm not sure I could justify it really. But I uh, <laughs> um, could ask the wife nice if she minds replacing that mysteriously disappearing Palooka milk shirt. <laughs> well, you've got until it's not going to be released, it's not being officially released until the middle of May. So you've got a few weeks if you want to be yeah. comparing installments <laughs> to the middle of May. I saw someone on All Stand Chat said they were going to order it, but they wondered if it was appropriate to have COVID-19 put on the back. Oh, <laughs> like, mm, I think maybe. everyone knows the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, other Albion news as well, just to finish off this part, um, Stephen Alzate has also been uh, in the news. He's been um, volunteering to help with funding a project or some projects in his parents uh country of birth colombia i think there's a number of charity scenarios and initiatives going on over there he's uh, said he's going to put his uh, his name to and uh and help fund which is great really good to see yep. great yeah. yeah okay well i think the half time whistle's gone boys um in the second half we're going to be talking about yes the bit we've all been waiting for our teams based on our initials <laughs> and i've got some absolute horrors in mind i have to say i'm expecting to be last in the listings here with uh, the least um of mine selected i think we're going to put one together in the end based on yeah. three the see, see who's got the best team <laughs> see who's got the best team first and then and, and then, then yeah so you can put put together a, a composite 11 yeah. as it were yeah lovely composite composite <laughs> well <laughs> well i think the, the latter Both. is in question but <laughs> excellent so we'll reconvene in part two in just a moment So welcome back to part two of the latest episode, where we now get into the exciting stuff, the teams that we've selected from our own initials. Um, well, uh, I've just about scraped an 11 together. It's pretty shoddy, particularly in defence. Don't know about you guys. Uh, Peter, how's, how's your team looking? Uh, it's not too bad. I've got one or two weak, quite, quite obvious weaknesses, and I'm playing one or two out of position. But I managed to put together a 4-4-2, and I haven't even included any of the five Albion players I came up with, or former no. Albion players I came up with, so... Excellent. Robin, how's yours looking? Uh, shambolic defence, pretty decent midfield, and the less said about the attack, the better, probably. I've gone 3-4-3, three, three, which is unusual, as in all the other ones. I've rigidly stuck to 4-4-2. Four, four, I would have stuck to 4-4-2, four, four, but I just couldn't find a fourth defender. So Yeah. And mine, we well, you weren't tempted to play yourself in there. <laughs> yeah. I could have played myself in. I could have put myself in defence, but no, I, think... I saw myself. No, I might have to do that because I, I've literally only got two proper defenders in my team at all, which is not boding well. Um, and I can see you as a sort of no-nonsense centre-back, Russ. It's kind of slotting in, bringing the ball out of defence, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So. Yes, reading the game astonishingly badly, being out <laughs> just behind the ball all the time. Yeah, yeah, going to ground too early, 
sometimes just tripping over my own feet. Yeah, that sounds about the size. You'd have got into you'd have got into most Albion teams of my <laughs> lifetime based on, based on that. <laughs> well, I think we'll save the worst for last. So I'm, I'm going to bow to you guys first. So, Peter, do you want to go first? Yeah. yeah what, am I just doing goalkeeper first? Are we just going to do it one at a time, or? Um, I think just go through the team, I guess. Yeah, okay. run through your team. Give us give yeah. us your worst. Okay. Uh, in goal, I have Pavel Michalik, who is a uh, eleven cap time cap Czechoslovakia international, who uh, won the Czech league three times with Banik Ostrava. That's a uh, good solid start. I've not heard of him either. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I didn't good, have any good. other options in goal. Uh, right back, I've got someone out of position. I've gone for Paolo Montero, who played sixty odd times for Uruguay, including a World Cup. Uh, played for Juventus, Atlanta. Um, it's known as the centre back, but I don't have any right back, so I played him there. Uh, a left back, Paolo Maldini, doesn't really need introduction. Best, right. you know, I'll be best left back of all time. So uh, I don't think I need to. Uh, I think I should get the left back position probably overall in the team across us. We'll have to see if he, he might struggle to get in. You never know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, obviously, one looking up his record, he won Serie A seven times. Coppa Italia once, Champions League slash European Cup five times, which is pretty impressive, but never actually won the World Cup. Was runner-up um, in 1994, mm. but never actually won the yeah, World yeah. Cup. I think he's, not... Yeah, I think we're safe. He's in, I think. He's definitely, yeah. I mean, he's one of my favourite all-time players. He's an absolutely brilliant yeah. player. Um, I'm honoured to share initials with him. Yeah, I mean, you must be proud. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so that sounds pretty good so far. Much yeah. better than mine already. Yeah, go on, carry on. <laughs> Central defence, I've got Paul McGrath, who obviously played for United in the Villa and um, yeah. played for Republic of Ireland a lot of times. So was one like FA Cup, League Cup, which is so quite decent. And then um, my World Cup winner, who only appeared for one minute for Germany. I think he was in their final against Argentina in, uh, in 2014. But Per Mertesacker, obviously has played for Arsenal for quite a long time. Over 100 yeah. German caps. Um, That's yeah. a very good back four, to be honest. It is actually, yeah. Although Paolo Montero is obviously out of position, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, I think he would, he would, he would still, uh, he would still, still do the job there. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you that comfortably, none of none of my three defensive options are are getting anywhere near that. Because <laughs> I think PM is probably quite relatively common anyway. Yeah, that's say so that's a, that's a very good back four. Yeah, not bad at all. Is yeah, it? keeper's not so good. Or two more, yeah. Carry on. <laughs> so, central midfield, I've got Paul Maidley, who played for Leeds in their glory years in the 70s. Um, again, another one who was a one club player, played 724 times, according to Wikipedia, for Leeds. Um, wow. Won two first division titles, FA Cup, League Cup, Inter City Fairs Cup, which is like the previous thing to UEFA Cup. And then yep. alongside him, Paul Merson, obviously known, yep. quite well known, former Arsenal, Middlesbrough, Villa, Portsmouth. I only played for England um, 21 times, according to what I found All right. um, on Wikipedia. So, But then did go to the World Cup in 98 and the Euros in 92. So, Interesting. Um, Again, yeah, good, good pairing. Got on, on the wide spot, it's got Paul McStay, who played for Celtic for a long time, um, scored like 70-odd goals in 600-odd appearances, played 76 times for Scotland. Um, another one-club player, basically only played for Celtic. And then Peter McParland, who's a who has played for Villa in the 50s and 60s, and is mainly well known for scoring in the cup final when he injured the goalkeeper, the uh, Manchester United goalkeeper, and the, the United goalkeeper had to go out wide after he came back on from having concussion and play on the wing, and a centre oh, wow. defender playing goal, and uh, McParland okay. scored both goals that day. Carnage. Yeah. 
Um, Russ, do you sense this could be an all? This could be a combined eleven made solely up of PMs. <laughs> not, yeah. not, not in goal, it can't be. I need, I need one of your goalkeepers. And then up front, I have uh, Paul Mariner, who played for Ipswich yeah. in the seventies. Was a pretty decent player. Got one hundred thirty odd goals for Ipswich um, and won the FA Cup and UEFA Cup um, with Ipswich and scored thirteen in thirty five for England. And then Predrag Mihatovic, who uh, played for Real Madrid amongst others. Was from uh, Montenegro, but then played for Serbia, Montenegro, as they were in those days. Um, uh, won the Champions League with, and La Liga with Real, um, his main honours, and uh, yeah, quite a decent striker. That's yeah. a yeah, that's a very good team, Pete. Mm. I, I have five Albion play, ex-Albion players I found of various like Paul McShane, obviously being the most famous. Yeah. But then Paul McCarthy, yeah. Um, yeah. Paul McDonald, who obviously played in the wing in the final year at the Goldstone. Um, yeah. Paul Molden, who was on loan in the mid '90s or something, at some point. Yeah. And then everyone's favourite, the, the uh, you know the Irish player in the recent years, Paddy McCourt. Oh yes. The, Der- the Derry Pele. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very good team, though. That as an eleven, that's a that's a, most of the most of your eleven are kind of fairly fairly high level players. Yeah, it's just yeah. Pavel Michalak really, who's not been. Yeah. yeah. Like he, I, I searched. There all the way through Wikipedia for, uh, and other places for Decent PM goalkeeper, goalkeepers but... and couldn't find anyone except no. like the best I could it's, find. It's a pretty I solid think... point apart from that. Yeah, yeah. I think you're you're gonna. There's, I think most of our combined eleven will will be PMs at this rate. <laughs> I will. Um, I can potentially offer you a goalkeeper who is who you probably would have heard of, which is uh, Roman Wiedenfeller from yeah. Dortmund. So he played 349 games for Dortmund, five caps for Germany. Made his debut for Germany at Wembley against England. World Cup winner's medal. Didn't play a minute in the World Cup, but was the number two uh, mm. goalkeeper there. He won two Bundesligas uh, with Dortmund and two Cups. So he's a decent decent pedigree yeah. as a goalkeeper. He's so a very solid might, keeper. Yeah. He might lend, he's going to lend some solidity to your, your back line. My shambolic defensive three <laughs> kicks off with a stalwart of Dutch football called Rob Weilart who played 145 times for NEC Breda, <laughs> as well as stints at PSV, Den Bosch, FC Twente, Ajax and Roda. So he seems to have done a tour of all of my favourite Dutch football manager clubs. Um, and he finished his career in Australia playing for Melbourne City. And he's now an assistant coach in Australia with Box Hill United. So he's my first choice at centre-back. My second choice is someone I have heard of, Again, hasn't really played at the top level, but is Reese Weston, mm. who I remember playing for Cardiff in particular. Yeah. Started his career at Arsenal, playing one game for them. Played quite a lot for Cardiff, and then he's played for Walsall, Port Vale, Dundee, AFC Wimbledon, amongst others. Plus, he's he played seven times for Wales. He has got now one of the weirdest job titles I've ever come across, which is he works in the venue optimization team for Brentford. So basically, as far as I can tell, his job is working on their new stadium, basically trying to sell as many season tickets as possible. Mm. So instead of calling him a sales manager, they've called him a venue optimization manager. Nice. Um, and he's also a co- he's also a co-commentator on Talk Sport. Apparently. It's of course Brentford's ground move is another thing they haven't really mentioned in terms of restarting and all that. But that's you yeah. Know, do you, where do you play? Bit of an aside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, my third centre half is someone called Richard Walker, 
who's a fairly recent player. He played 158 times in the EFL for Crewe, Port Vale and Macclesfield, and he's now Stoke's under-18 manager. So I think I can comfortably say that none of those three are going to get in ahead of any of Pete's four. Um, but I do think, I think Wiedenfeller has got a decent chance oh, yeah. of being in goal hmm. at this point. So yeah. then I've got a midfield four kicking off with Ross Wallace, who I'm sure everyone's familiar right. with. Yep. Played for Celtic, Sunderland, Preston, Burnley, Sheffield Wednesday, Fleetwood, and is now still playing for St Mirren. Despite him, I always thought he was, he was a very good player, but he's only ever had one cap for Scotland. Mm. Really? Didn't, he score one of, didn't he score against us in the playoffs that year? Yeah, yeah I think he did, yeah. Um, but yeah, considering Scotland has not necessarily been flush with, with great yeah. players over the, the, the recent period, at least, I was a bit surprised that he hadn't played more for Scotland. Mm. Um, my two in midfield are Richie Wellens, who's obviously an EFL, a bit of an EFL legend. 609 games, teams such as Blackpool, Oldham, Doncaster, Leicester, Ipswich, Shrewsbury. Now he's the Swindon manager. Yeah. Um, my other midfield, central midfield candidate is someone I think probably will get in the overall 11, which is Ray Wilkins. Mm, nice. Yeah. 700 career games for, amongst others, Chelsea, Man United, AC Milan, PSG, Rangers, QPR, 84 caps for England. Obviously, greatly missed. Died only a couple of years ago, quite suddenly. Um, considering the number of games that he played at the very top level, he only ever won one FA Cup with Man United in 83, obviously against the Albion. And he won two titles with Rangers. Didn't win anything else. Wow. Which I was very surprised by, considering, I say, when you've played for Chelsea, Man United, Milan, PSG, you know quite a lot of times you'd expect I was expecting at least a league title from mm. obviously got a couple with Rangers but I was expecting at least a league title or maybe a European trophy from some of the other big clubs but no yeah. nothing uh, and on the left is another player who may may have a chance of getting into the overall 11 which is Ronnie Whelan yeah of course was a, a, a Liverpool legend played 362 times for Liverpool 53 caps for Ireland he won Six first division titles for Liverpool, two FA Cups, three League Cups, a Super Cup, and a European Cup. So he's probably got a decent shout. Of that's being... a very solid midfield, to be fair. That's really yeah. So I was, I was quite happy with my solely British and Irish <laughs> solid midfield. Um, and now we move on to what is going to be a front three, which is filled with an awful lot of flair, but I'm not sure how much talent. I'll kick off with probably the best of the front three, which is Rod Wallace. Yeah. Um, 450 games for Southampton, Leeds, Rangers, Bolton and Gillingham. Won the first division title with Leeds, which must have been 92. Did they win it in the mm. last time they won it? Yeah. But they won yeah. the season before the, they won. They, did, yeah. they won the last first division, didn't they? Before yeah. they became the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. So he won. He was in the Leeds squad for that. And he got two SBL titles with Rangers. Complimenting Rod Wallace up front is a player that I'd never heard of. And he's called Roland Volvath. And he played 450 games in the top flight, mainly in the top flight of German football. He played for Bayern, Duisburg, Bochum, and then he went off to St. Etienne as well. Made two appearances for West Germany. Won five titles with Bayern. Actually scored quite a lot of goals, so he has got a bit of pedigree. Um, And he was banned for doping in 1995. Lovely. A bit of an aside. And then we finish off with my favourite name from the team, which is a guy called Rudiger Wenzel. 
who played 600 games for Lübeck, St. Pauli, Frankfurt and Dusseldorf. Mm, So of that team, I would suggest the goalkeeper, probably plus Ray Wilkins and Ronnie Whelan are probably my only three that I think have got a a decent shout of being in the, the overall 11. Okay. Yeah, sounds sounds good there. Does sound a bit ropey up front, but don't worry. I think I might be able to help with the overall squad selection on that one. <laughs> I've got a decent goalie and I've got a good forward line. I think that's where the strengths lie in this team. I've had to go for a three-four-three formation, which is very makeshift. When I say three at the back, I really mean two plus someone that doesn't play there being chucked in to make up <laughs> the number. It's that bad. So um, here we go then. So. It starts with a good, solid, familiar name uh, from Premier League, Rob Green, who played for Norwich, West Ham, various clubs. Got to the England squad, didn't he, as well? And um, he's a good, solid option. I don't know if he, how he sits with the uh, your German suggestion. Well, that he made that awful, awful error against the United States, didn't he, in the World yeah, Cup? Yeah. The uh, thing he's probably most remembered for, as, as always the case, isn't it? Um, as well as lifting the Europe, well, he, he lifted the Europa League for Chelsea, didn't he? They got him to actually lift the trophy, didn't they? Instead of the captain. Did they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that was a bit weird. Um, anyway. I've only been able to source one centre back, and he's he's pretty decent. Uh, Richard Goff, who made sixty-one caps for Scotland, six goals as well, actually, uh, between eighty-three and ninety-three. He started at Dundee United, playing full season at Spurs, scoring two goals there actually before joining Rangers, where obviously the bulk of his career was. Uh, made his name with 294 games, 25 goals actually as well, from the 87 to 98 period, and ended with two years at Everton, which I'd forgotten about until I read up on him, uh, between 99 and 01. So he made it into the uh, the new century. <laughs> um, good, solid, strong centre-back. Um, depends on the other options. I mean, I'm not sure if you get in given Peter's team, really. Um, but uh, he's decent maybe for the bench overall. Um the other options I had, I couldn't think of another centre-back, so I've gone for a left-back, a guy called Rafael Guerrero, who's a current Dortmund and Portuguese player. He's a good player. Yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good player. Yeah. He's um, someone on the minus signing, actually. He's 26 at the moment. He can play left-mid as well, although I don't think I really need to, to play him anywhere other than left-back, as it stands. Um, he can score goals as well. Um, uh, I think he, last six years, he got seven in 36, three in 41. That was at Lorient. And then seven in 35, two in 15, six in 32, and five in 29 for Dortmund. So he's getting in the goals every season. He's Pretty a bit decent. of a set piece, set piece wizard, isn't he? I think. That's right. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he scored two in 39 for Portugal, I think, as well. So um, since his debut in 2014, he does mainly play as a left back. So I think it is his favourite position, to be fair. So I've got two proper defenders. The only other person I could think of to chuck in, and this is utterly makeshift, is to put someone like. Ricardo Gardner in there, who's essentially a central <laughs> midfielder. Um, I think he's right-footed. I was trying to find info on that, but um, either way around, he's going to have to play a right-back or or, at, uh, or something like that. I don't know what the hell this defence is going to do. <laughs> I, I don't fancy trying to manage them. I've got a good manager, by the way, uh, Ron Greenwood, former England manager. manager. Uh, or mm. if he's not available, on account of the fact he's passed away, we've got Remy Gard, who could go in. <laughs> um, so we've got a couple of managerial options to try and sort out that shambles. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd regard Remy Gard as an option, given his like, time at Villa. No, no. I mean, my, with my Sunday football prowess, I might actually, as a manager there, might I might... sneak in ahead, yeah. Credentials, yeah. Um, anyway, so that's that. Um, as far as the next stage goes, it gets a little bit more interesting. I've got... I'll start with the left side again, actually. I've got Ryan Giggs, of course, I think. Oh, yeah. 
big volumes, hundreds of caps mm. for, um, uh, sorry, hundreds of games for um, Man United, caps for Wales. Obviously, the fact is that he was Welshman, he didn't really have a chance to shine at the top level internationally, but the rest of it all speaks for itself. You know, I won't bore you all listing his uh, trophies, but he's one of the most successful and long-serving players at Man U, I think, in their history. So, pretty good. Um, attacking mid, I've got a guy you suggested before we started all this, Rude Hullet, of course, who can play. Well, he's pretty flexible. He can play in a number of positions going forwards. Um, again, speaks for himself. He won the European Championships, indeed, with Holland. A huge number of caps there as well. And uh, just an all-round skill, skill meister, I think. He's a good, good bet for the final 11 that we selected. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, the other option I've gone for is another Guerrero for attacking mid. We've got uh, Roger Guerrero. He was a Brazilian or Brazilian-born Polish citizen. He's actually now 37. Um, so he's a former Corinthians, Flamengo, Legia Warsaw and Ake Athens player who weighed in with some goals as well in his time. That's a heck of a, that's a good list of clubs. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of diversity <laughs> in there. It's not bad, yeah. And uh, but he's, he spent most of his time, I think, in Poland um, from that list. Uh, not really sure too much about him beyond that, but I think he gets in uh, because my other option who will be um, on the bench for my team is Ryan Gould. Do you remember him? He oh, he's young... the, the, yeah, the young Scottish lad, isn't he? 14 Lisbon he go to or something like that. Yeah. Or... He did, yeah. He's, he's currently at Florenzi in Portugal. He was dubbed the uh, Scottish Messi when he came to prominence through the ranks at Dundee United. It went for a Always good not to put pressure on young players, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Works well, usually, doesn't it? It'd be it? like the Scottish wonder kid Albion had who never actually played for us. Har- Harper? Oh, yeah. Or... yeah. Yeah. Freddie Adu Jack was Harper. The, the American Pelé yeah. who yeah. quite managed. But yeah, he's at Forensi in Portugal now. He was the Scottish Messi. Came through at Dundee United. Went for three mil, I think, uh, pounds at this for sporting. Yeah. A six-year deal at the time. So they obviously wow. bought into his long-term future. But he never really held down a place despite making Champions League squad under Marco Silva. Um, so mm. he's, he's on the bench. So I've gone for Guerrero over him. Um, and who, have I, who am I missing? Oh, yeah, the other one. The other one I've gone for on the right side was a guy Robin suggested, actually. Uh, Rashid uh, Gizal, I think it's pronounced, who mm. hasn't really shone much. But I think he's probably a better prospect than Ryan Gould. He's right-sided, which is what I need for the balance of my team to get some balance whatsoever into my team. In fact. Um, he's a right winger, essentially, isn't he? He's quite dynamic. Attack, yeah, yeah, pretty quick. I think he's a, he's on loan at Fiorentina or somewhere at the moment, I think. But um, I remember seeing him for Leicester. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so he's a decent option. So I've gone for him, um, Hullet and Guerrero, and then uh, Giggs on the left. And then the three up front, this is where things get a little bit more uh, better from my point of view, because I've got two... Uh, well, I've got one really, really real core cool I'll start with him, Raúl, Raúl González, to give him his full name, the ex-Real legend, of course. Um, yeah. Again, speaks for himself. He's won it all pretty much at domestic level with uh, with them. He was their record scorer. I don't know if he still is, but he was at the time when he left them. He was a Champions League record scorer for a while, wasn't he, as well? Yeah, yeah that's right. Great player. I always rated him. Um, the other two are a bit more samey, um, depending if, if, unless I pushed uh, Ruud Hillett further forward. That depends on personnel. The other ones I've got, striker, I've got a guy called Reza Guchanajad, I think it's pronounced. Uh, Gucci for short. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> familiar with his work. No, he's a 32-year-old journeyman, largely in Dutch, Belgian and Middle Eastern leagues uh, fame. He's currently with 
Dean Wilkins' former clubs, uh, FC Zwolle, sorry, PEC Zwolle in, um, in Holland. He scored 16 in 44 goals for Iran, so his record's not bad there. Um, he dropped out of the frame a couple of years ago, but he's, you know, he's 32, so he's coming to the end of his career. But he, he sounded decent. I think I've probably seen him play in a tournament, must have done, mm. um, but just not remembered him. But, the former uh, international colleague of Jahan Batch then. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. He must have been, yeah, yeah. And the other striker is Rudy Gestad, I think it's pronounced. Um, yeah. all, um, he's a borough forward at the moment. He returned to uh, returned to them. He, he was started his career there as a youth. Um, he's been a former Mets, Cardiff, Blackburn, and Villa player. who had 263 senior goals to his name so far, and he's also scored three and, 11, three and eleven for Benin, which is who he chose to represent internationally. So he's not bad. He makes up the numbers, but he's, he's decent. But it's all about Raúl and serv- uh, service. Can I can I suggest one glaring omission from your eleven? Yeah, I meant to say at the beginning, I'm pretty sure I've missed one or two out. Go on. Uh, Ronaldinho, who's known as Ronaldinho Gaucho. Is he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Ronaldinho. And we were yeah. talking earlier in the show. Yeah, that's sure. what that's what brought into my mind. I did look him up and he is he is uh he does have a longer Brazilian name, which isn't RG, but he is formerly known in a lot of places as Ronaldinho Gaucho. Really? I somehow overlooked that. I did actually Google all the Brazilians with R's in there. Romario, Ronaldo, Mark One, Robinho and Ronaldinho. But I somehow must have missed that. Well, well, he might get in possibly ahead of... You're Iranian, uh, potentially. Yeah, I think he, you put, just put him up top, can't you? Or, yeah, put him in ahead of the Iranian. In I fact, guess. just put, play, him at, play him at the back. Might be quite interesting. On a on a slightly less high profile basis, there's also one Robin um, you obviously had Ross Wallace in, but you didn't have Ray as well. There were three of them. Um Yeah, so I was looking him up defend. as well. Could have had could have had Emin as well. Yeah. But he wouldn't get in the overall team, but yeah. No. So So just just to clarify my team, so I've got Gould and uh Guchanajad, I think it's pronounced, are now on the bench because of uh, Robbie, uh, Ronaldinho. So I've got Ronaldinho, Rudy Gestead and Raul up front. I think Rudy Gestead's going to be... That's a pretty good... Up. Yeah, he's going to be a fish out of water, isn't he? He's going to be... Yeah, just hoof the ball up to him, get him to head it on, and then everyone else, can, the other two can chase it. Yeah, yeah he, can just, he can just have a little seat, can't yeah. he? In the... Yeah. My, my bench is not very impressive, actually, looking at it. I've got the you know, Arsenal player, Pablo Mari, who signed in the summer. So oh, yeah. In Arsenal. Yeah. Paddy yeah. McCarthy used to play for Palace. Um, yeah. Pedro Mendes, who was at, Sp- at Spurs and Portsmouth. At oh point. yeah, he used to score. He scored a couple yeah. of absolute worldies, didn't he? Yeah. Paul yeah. Mortimer, who played for like Charlton and that sort of thing, and one or two others, and then Peter Marinello, who played up in the uh, old times. Yeah. Like, so I think PM yeah. is more of a, a common likely. It's quite a common, it's, yeah. Yeah. Actually, so I think if we're if we're looking at our if we're looking at our overall eleven, we've just quickly, got a conversation. Can I can I just point out one one uh, one other person on my side? Oh page. yeah, yeah, go go. Special mention to is my only Albion contributor by proxy of one game. Um, it is of course Ricardo Gabbiadini, the lesser <laughs> of two brothers. Um, oh, he, yes. was, he he seems to have played. I've looked at his record. He seems to have played sixty six senior games in his entire career, uh, which doesn't bode well, does it? Considering no. he had a long career, he had twenty four at Carlisle, fourteen at Hartlepool, actually near you. Robin, um, those are the only ones he got into double figures in. He made one appearance for Albion on loan in the middle of his career um, and didn't make his mark. He did, however, win the League and Cup double in his half season, 93-94, uh, with Sligo Rovers at the end of his career. What a way to go out. Um, he apparently scored, isn't it? 
in eight goals there, so a much better ratio, including, it says on uh, Wikipedia, an audacious chip near season's end in a crucial game as title rivals Athlone Town, away to Athlone Town, which saw Sligo gain the advantage on them on points and subsequently keep the lead to win the title. And he yeah, he found his level then. It's, he did, uh, it has to say, he, obviously we didn't treat him very well. His brother was so angry about his treatment that he then went and scored a hat-trick at uh, <laughs> Freefield. Yeah. Is that what we used to call him, Fat Palace Reject, by any chance? As a, <laughs> and he probably tended to score when we sung that, didn't he? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. especially that, that, that Darlington game when he got a hat-trick. and uh, Yeah, at, at Priestfield. Yeah. yeah. Happy days. Um, also, just to quickly mention, I've got some good celebrity fans as well. I've got Ricky Gervais, a favourite of Robin. Um, I've got Russell Grant, Russell Grant, and I've got Ryan Gosling. <laughs> just to that, add to that's, an in, that's an interesting <laughs> dinner party, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So sorry, I interrupted you early for the um, the overall 11s. Oh yeah, I was going to say I think goalkeeper. It's we've got a discussion between mine and yours, Russ. I think. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think Green was a decent goalie overall. He did make that massive faux pas for England. He wasn't anything amazing, but he was a good, solid guy. Your guy I know less about, but he sounds like he might be better. Yeah, 350-odd games for Dortmund, um, pretty... World Cup winner's medal. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he got, I, I, I think, think he's probably... He... Yeah, I've, yeah I've, he gets yeah. in, I think. Goal, yeah, yeah. Should just go, just going back for, um, to supporters, I found I've got a whole load. I've got like Paul McCartney, Patrick Moore Ooh. and Piers Morgan, just for starters. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Pippa Middleton as well, so all in all, it's like... Actually, I've good. got uh, I've got Robbie Williams and Robin Williams, which would also be an interesting, <laughs> probably quite substance-heavy dinner party. <laughs> yeah, don't you be getting away with it, anyways, then? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I think if we go for my my chapping goal, yeah, um, I'm then I think arguably Peter's entire back four. It just depends whether we can shift Rafael Guerrero to right back. And he might have a chance to get in at right back. He's not yeah. dislodging Paolo Maldini, I think. That's... No chance. No, no. chance. But yeah, it's whether, it's whether you can shift him into play at right back. Yeah, he might be able to. I mean, Maldini can definitely get him play centre back if that would help. But yeah, but I've got plenty of centre backs. That's no, a problem. It's the right back, but really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would say certainly Probably. both of Peter's centre halves plus left back. And then it's just a question of whether, whether Guerrero gets in at right back. I think we, I think we have Peter's back four, don't we? Yeah, I think we do. To be honest, I think. Yeah, we can have our man, my man, on the bench, can't we? Are we going? Are we going four four two? Yeah, let's do four. Yeah, happy to do that. Yeah. Um, so Montero yeah, so right go... back, Maldini, Maldini left back, McGrath and Mertesacker in central defence. Yeah, I'm happy with that as a back four. Yeah, sounds good. Nice. I think midfield is where we're going to have a few more arguments. I think obviously mm. Giggs has got to go in on the left. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. and Hullet has to Fairly... go in as well. Yeah, I think Hullet's got to go in. Yeah. Um, who else? Oh, Ray Wilkins, I think is. Yeah, difficult one. He's got to I go think he'd probably get to over Merson in midfield, and you also need yeah, a, bit I think more, so. a bit of a stronger a bit midfielder as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. If you're going to actually have, so a I think you go with Giggs, Hullet, Wilkins, and then who else? You someone else had a really another really good winger, didn't they? Well, you could put Ronaldinho on the right. Yeah, because yeah, I've got Ronnie Whelan, but I don't think he's quite going to make the cut. He's gigs. also not really a winger, is he? He's kind of like yeah. He's more of a yeah. sports central as well, isn't he? I think remember. Yeah, so I think we go gigs, gigs, Wilkins, Hullet, Ronaldinho. That's a pretty that decent was, midfield. That's a very, very <laughs> decent midfield. And yeah. then up front, it's got to be Raúl. Does he go? Yeah, uh, he put, probably probably play with Mahatovic. He could they could play together or. Yeah. Um, who else did you have? Who else did you have up front, Peter? Uh, Mariner, wasn't it? I think. Oh yeah, Mariner and Russ, yours. 
Um, I had Rudy Gestead. Oh, yeah, Rudy Gestead. Yeah, I think... <laughs> um, no. Basically. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think That's Raul definitely. and I think Raul and your other one from Real Madrid. Yasevic. Yeah. I think that completes our I think that would be could complete our eleven. Which is and actually then, a pretty good team, I think. Yeah. Subs yeah. bench of Rob well, Green, Gu- presumably. Guerrero, yeah, Rob um, Green on the bench. Guerrero. And um, um uh, Ronnie Whelan probably gets Whelan, on the bench. Whelan. Yeah, Whelan's on the bench. Uh Merson maybe. Merson and then probably just just dead. Just for yeah, the sake of he's like the only striker. Well, yeah, not, basically. Not if if we if we're one nil down and we need to bring him on and just lump balls up to <laughs> yeah. him to flick on for any <laughs> of on. our midfield. Hang on, hang on. I promised Gabbiadini a place on the bench. Surely he gets it, doesn't he? <laughs> no, can be the <laughs> cut man. <laughs> to put it bluntly, no. <laughs> That's a good team, actually. Yeah. Very, particularly midfield, particularly midfield and up front. That's a very yeah. very good team. Yes, we just need to buy a right back. We need to find a right back from somewhere. Yeah, that's we need to scout for a decent right back across the three of us. But yeah, Maldini is um, is obviously excellent. That was good fun. I enjoyed doing that. Yeah, it's surprisingly hard actually. It's kind of like it is really hard. Where I ended up with quite a lot, it's still quite difficult to finding Mm. sufficiently good players. Yeah, yeah, good good team in the end. Particularly that midfield is um, outstanding, really. Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty good. I and mean, three quarters of the defence is particularly good as well. Yeah. Yeah. I still yeah. I still feel disappointed that Paddy McCourt missed out as well. That's my uh... Yeah, I know, that is disappointing. <laughs> well, other subject ideas for, for future teams. We're going to cover things like best Premier League players of all time, best Albion players of all time, best shit houses of all time. I think <laughs> um Robin in particular is gonna be looking forward to that one. Hardest mm. ever elevens slash Albion elevens, I think that could be interesting. And uh, possibly other path elevens I think could be good too. Um yeah. Also, I was thinking about doing best 11s and Albion 11s with alliterative names as well. Could be quite good. Oh, that's um, quite an interesting one. Mark McCann. Yeah. Managed by Mark McGee. He's going to be managed by Mark McGee as well, ironically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> managed by Mark McGee. <laughs> that's going to go really badly. <laughs> it's like they don't, uh, who else? Like they don't end up going to Burnley for a game. <laughs> to be fair, there's Robbie Ryan out, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Andy yeah. Arnott. Yeah, and the, whole answer, bunch, and, and the answer as well. It was like both of them play for Albion. Uh, uh, Gordon Greer. Oh, yeah, Gordon Greer. Well, Booker can be assistant. Booker, I mean, they, we've got loads. They might have some problems um, up against the World Eleven because that's going to include Zizou and Paul Pogba probably, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> have, we got, have we got a goalkeeper? Yeah, worry. An Albion goalkeeper. Albion goalie. Uh, um, uh, there must be one cool. somewhere. Yeah, they don't tend to be, do they? From... Well, um, I'm trying. To, we're probably going to be. There's going to be a loan keeper from somewhere, isn't there? Probably. There must yeah. be someone going back to the start, you know. Yeah, of. but yeah, there's a few. Without even really thinking about it, that's kind of half a. Yeah. Half a team. But I think you guys wanted next week, uh, or next time we do this, anyway, uh, to do uh, Premier League. Uh, sorry, our best um, Albion players of all time, or yeah. greatest. So it's maybe difficult. We'll... Yeah, I think it's to me. It's a, there's a slight difference between best and greatest. Like best is obviously fairly clear. Well, yeah. not Leon Best. Let's discard him for the start. But he's not going yeah. to be in the best. Best 11. players called Best. That's good. Yeah, he's, and he's still not getting in that eleven. George um, Best like beats him slightly. Yeah, even Albi- even if he's the only Albion player we've ever had called Best, he's not getting in the best the Albion Best eleven. <laughs> um, there's a slight distinction between Best and Greatest. So Best is obviously you're looking at kind of technical ability. So Vicente being the obvious obvious answer, but Greatest you might come in you know you, you then bring people from modern times I guess kind of like Calderon into the conversation where you think about people who are mm. more long servants or cult heroes or 
you know, not, who weren't nec- yeah, exactly. weren't necessarily technically the most gifted, but actually they may have been at the club when the club was very successful or in their own way, they, you know, they may have had some longevity in terms of being around. So I think there is a, di- a distinct difference. Not to say that someone couldn't be in the greatest and the best 11. You yeah. might find someone who's in the greatest 11, but not the best 11. Yeah. That's true. Sounds good. It just occurs to me, by the way, that uh, Stuart Stora would also be in our alliterative 11. So, well, yeah, Stuart Stora be a, again. A Goldston hero, the final season of the Goldston hero. You have to be alliterative. Yeah. That's it. There's a Not that shout at all. Actually. I've actually just thought of another category for a future episode as well, which is um, to have ironically named players. Your, your suggestion of Dan. <laughs> Leon Bess. Uh, Leon Bess. Captain sorry. of that 11. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that could be quite good, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, on, onwards and downwards, <laughs> or something like that. In, in Albion uh, well, terms, surely Robbie Savage would be ironic, wouldn't it? Because he didn't, certainly wasn't savage when he was at Albion. I don't he think was... he touched the ball there, yeah, like, <laughs> Maybe we should get him on the podcast. That could be quite <laughs> Tell us about your time at the Albion. Uh, <laughs> did you find the Lamborghini in the end? That sort of thing. Yeah. Well, um, if you do want to follow us, uh, we're on Twitter, at Brighton Rock Pod now. I've changed it from PO1. No idea why it was like that. But it's at Brighton Rock Pod pod um you can also email us at brightonrockpodcast at gmail.com and we come to you in association with seagulls over london if you wanted to find out more about that organization you can check them out on www.seagullsoverlondon.com and there's an email address if you're interested in joining or finding out even more information um before we finish though just quickly robin you've had a busy week as well as me haven't you on the podcast front uh, because you've been teaming up with josh for something tell us about that Yes, I occasionally moonlight on Josh's podcast when we do a feature on kind of where are they now in Albion players. Um, we interviewed Andrew Crofts recently. We've had Alan Navarro on. This week, we had the pleasure of talking to Bruno, which was wow. really interesting. We had him on for about an hour. Um, and yeah, he, he, was, um, he was really great, really interesting, um, very knowledgeable. And uh, as you'd imagine, just just an all-round great guy, really. And he was... We had a really good laugh with him. We we asked him about the start of his career, getting a move to Valencia and playing some quite high-profile games, playing in the Champions League for Valencia. What was yeah. quite interesting was that he mentioned that the best bit of making his Champions League debut was actually hearing the music. <laughs> <laughs> as he, was, as he was waiting in the tunnel to come out. Um, and then talking about him, him getting his move to England. And we've just talked off-air just before this. Actually, the thing that I didn't realise is we've got Vicente to thank in a large part for, for Bruno coming to the Albion. See Vicente arriving a year before Bruno and those two are quite good friends, were quite good friends, are quite good friends now. And um, Vicente spent quite a lot of the year texting Bruno and telling him, you know, it's a great place to live and good facilities, et cetera. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that was great. And yeah, yeah. we talked That's to him a lot about his, um, his times at the Albion and best players that he's played with and, and that kind of thing. Um, talked about his move into coaching now and then we had a few listeners questions and yeah it was very interesting that he talked about we were asking him obviously being one of the oldest you know, outfield Premier League players and the mm. fact that he kind of he reached the peak of his career in terms of the level that he was playing at you know right at the end to get promoted mm. to the Premier League aged whatever 35 36 so suddenly at the time when most players are thinking about winding down or retiring he's suddenly got to go from you know, marking Rudy Gestead in the championship to being up against, you know, the best of the Premier League, which is quite interesting to ask him, you know, how he kept himself, you know, physically fit and in the condition to, um, to be able to yeah. perform. And he was talking a lot about the stuff that it was a lot of sacrifice that he basically 
he had the same breakfast every day for seven or eight years. He had largely the same lunch and largely the same dinner. Um, and what was quite interesting is he said that he, he used to make sure that he got as, as much sleep as possible. And even now he says that after 8.30 at night, he won't look at any screens. Mm, so yeah. no mobile phone, no TV, nothing. And he said he's helped, that helped him really to be able to get off to sleep. He said the one thing you don't really think about is as a footballer, you've got that, that kind of buzz when the game finishes. The adrenaline is obviously, you know, pounding. And you get home, he said, you know, particularly after if it's been a 7.45, you know, championship game, you're not getting home before 11.30, potentially, you know, one, two in the morning if it's an away game. And he said, if you then get home, get into bed or whatever and watch a movie, or you're just scrolling on Facebook, you're just not going to go to sleep. So he said, as soon as he stopped, you know, there would be no phones or anything. And he managed to get back get to sleep and he said it you know it was really helpful in being able to sort of prolong his fitness which was quite mm. interesting yeah he's sort of famous for his diet isn't he and, um, and yeah and he just said that basically all of his friends got used to the idea that basically if you text bruno after 8 30 at night he's not going to respond <laughs> <laughs> but no he, he was um he was obviously he was spoke very in glowing terms about not just the albion obviously you know the city because he's still you know he's still he's still here after retiring and mm. um yeah, no, loves the place. Said, it, you know, generally he li- he likes it because he said that he's found that fans in Brighton are generally very respectful and always have been. You know, obviously he gets people that come up to him and you know want to have photos or have a chat. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's found that people are are able to toe that line between giving him the kind of privacy that you know that you'd want. You wouldn't necessarily want to have be mobbed as he walked down the street all the time. But at the same yeah. time, he said, you know, he loves to talk about football. He loves to talk about the Albion. So. Yeah, he said, yeah. you know, he loves loves the city. So, very, it's very interesting guy. And the other thing that he talked, we asked him about was he's he became one of the first um, other Premier League players to get involved in the Juan Mata, you know, common goal yes. fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I think he was friends. He's obviously he's friends with Juan Mata from. I think they must have played at Valencia together. I think potentially. Yeah, I think um, so we asked him about that, and we said, you know, is this something that you always wanted to to get involved in? And he basically said his upbringing is that. Um, it was very much, you know, you've got to, you've got to do your bit. And he said both of his parents have, um, I can't remember what he said, what his parents did. They were both involved in, in kind of science or medicine in some degree. And he said both of his parents have spent the last 25 years going over to volunteer in Africa yeah, to do a lot of kind of voluntary work. So he said it, it's kind of in his, his upbringing, his character is to be that way when it comes to you know, giving his time or giving his money. So yeah, uh, I think genuinely like a really came across as a, just a really nice bloke. Yeah. Basically. Everything about him seems like he's a nice guy and also very Bryson as well. Everything from the beard and the hipster look. <laughs> I was <laughs> going to ask him that because obviously he didn't have the beard when he arrived, did he? He was like, yeah, I think yeah. he was clean shaven. So he's, I was, I didn't ask him about that. I was going to slip that into the conversation, but yeah. no, I didn't. And, and um, he also, he also appeared on um, a forum that we had. Um, Ralph Shaw noticed we suddenly have one on, um, when was it, Peter? Was it on Monday? Was it? No. Uh, Thursday? Late, Wednesday, Thursday? Thursday? Yeah. 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 Oh, Thursday. Thursday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had a busy day talk, compiling the other podcast as well for the, uh, Michael Robinson tribute and uh, it was it was a full on day in the end because we had that uh, I think 10 in the morning it was seagulls over London it was uh, seagulls down under and northwest seagulls were all involved and uh, my man had a question in and he said um oh I asked him what you know what's the pull of Brighton and he just said it's a nice place to be with you know in the notion of 
lots of players stay after they finish. And he said, yeah, it's a nice place to be. It's, you know, it's just a, a good place for, you know, for families. There's plenty to do. And obviously it helps that the club you've been associated with has given you a really good experience um, of the place and given you happy memories before you, you've gone on. Because originally he was going to move back to Spain, I think, probably, notionally anyway, when his career ended. He said that a couple mm-hmm. of years before his career ended. But uh, clearly he's, uh, he's hooked on the place. as a number of other people from outside the area. Yeah, the, other, the only other final thing that I've just remembered is we, asked, we were asking him obviously about, his, about the final game. You know, yeah, the City we, game, and obviously that was yeah. a, a pretty good way to go out. You know, as mm. we were saying as a neutral, you know, the best thing you'd want to do would be to see your own team lift the trophy. But you know, as a neutral, to be in the ground when the Premier League trophy gets awarded is, you know, it's quite a nice thing. You know, as an Albion fan, we're probably not going to see that very often. Yeah, uh, yeah. and obviously being being his last game, it kind of made the whole thing a bit more special. And we were asking him, see, so, you know, a lot of emotion from him, a lot of emotion in the crowd, and we were asking him, you know, whether that came as a surprise to him, you know, how emotional he got and how emotional everyone else got. And he said, not really, because he knew, obviously, you know, he'd had a great relationship with the crowd and with the club, you know, all the way through. But he said the interesting thing was that the fact that that game being the title winning game meant especially even more than other Premier League games, it was broadcast and shown literally yeah. everywhere, you know, That's around true. the world in, in mm-hmm. great detail, you know, the, the scenes after the game. And he said he was getting... Um, people from Spain and friends from different parts of the country texting him and calling him to basically say, you were a guy that came over from Spain who, Hmm. you know, no one in that city knew who you were. No one at that club really knew who you were when you joined. And yet you can have a send off like that where you've got 30,000 people singing your name. And he said it, you know, people got this. He said that was the thing that was remarkable, which was that, a lot of people outside Spain, well, sorry, a lot of people in Spain who, you know, hadn't necessarily followed the Albion suddenly realised that he, how much of a, how much he meant to the club and how much mm. the club meant to him. Yeah. And it, it was kind of, it was shown, I suppose, the circumstance of the fact that that game was shown everywhere. You know, his, his interview was shown in, in all these places. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah. Mm. I think in the context of being an Albion fan and knowing we're not going to win titles, I think that's as good as it could be, really. I mean, yeah. on the one and it's good for both City and Brighton fans because the the crowd stayed 100% pretty much uh, behind yeah. the scene, uh, behind to to first of all to see the trophy lifted and then for Bruno to to come out. So it was nice that the whole crowd was there. There wasn't a pretty much any empty seats at all yeah. in the house. And it was also Company's last league game as well, wasn't it? I think yeah, the cup final after that. So, well, yeah. so I think and, both uh, sets of fans applauded their the respective players to the other one when it was the final thing you know, moment yeah, yeah. so, so quite... he said that he couldn't really have he couldn't really have given given the circumstances that were available to him mm. he couldn't yeah. really have thought of a better way to finish i mean obviously yeah. you know circumstances being different he'd have been lifting the premier league trophy but yeah you know, in terms of things that were available and realistic having a final game where we were already safe and mm. you know to be in the stadium in a very high profile game and to finish playing you know to finish against the Premier League champions is yeah. that's a good yeah. way to bow out as any really absolutely yep. and, and to have been written off by many fans not from a cynical point of view but just from a, a genuine belief that they thought he probably wouldn't be able to manage to carry on going to have then gone on another two years from that point yeah and that was that was what we were asking we said that, that was the, one of the things we asked him was that was mm. how di- what I referenced a few minutes ago that how difficult it is 
to have your step up be at the yeah, time yeah. when everyone was expecting your step down to happen. Yeah. And we were asking him, we were saying it's similar, I suppose, when you get to be a defender, especially. We were saying, obviously, you know, suddenly you're up against Sterling, you know, Mane, Rashford, Martial, all these players who he's got not a chance of keeping up with. He said that was the other thing that, you know, you've got to, it's that stereotypical thing, you've got to be able to read the game very well. Yeah, he was very good got, at that. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. You've, got to be, you've got to be in the position before they get there. Because, it, you know, if it, if it becomes a running race, then yeah. you, you've not got a chance, really. So. The interesting thing I always thought with Bruno was the first two or three seasons, he had quite a bad injury record. You know, he had quite a few, you know, not like really, really bad injuries, but kind of like a lot of niggles and problems where he kind of, you know, maybe missed like three or four games quite regularly. And then suddenly yeah. from like, the, the, from really about the middle of his time here, he just didn't get injured at all. He barely he he had an injury. To, he started to stretch a lot more. Mm. He said, particularly, like, not just, not just a before and after games, but like when you would get home after a game, he would specifically mm. stretch for like another 10, 15 minutes. I suppose you hear that. I mean, like, Giggs got really into yoga and stuff like that towards the end of his career. So I think it's, mm. he maybe started taking care of himself and, you know, yeah. I'd probably better, have the on our, um, our man Glenn Murray as well, who's obviously yeah. trying to put on his career yeah. by after himself. Obviously, it's a case of tempering his. Uh, what he does in training as well, in his case. Um, but, but, you know, he's getting on to a good age as well. Um, it can be done. Yoga definitely helps. I remember, I think it was Brad Friedel was the first person I heard mention that that was a regular part of his uh, his um, week as a footballer. Um, and that was a few years ago, quite a few years ago. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, I'll hold my hand up and say I was, I was quite surprised that Bruno, just kind of his age and, you know, kind of getting up at that, that point, moving up to the Premier League was always going to be a tough one. But he was brilliant those two seasons. Yeah. I thought, I'm actually, yeah, I mean, particularly the first season where he hadn't, was it the first season or the second season? Second season, no. First, was what season did he come back in where he hadn't played that much? And then he came back in for a, uh, quite a crucial run. I think, I think it, it was, was the first, first season. The first season, actually. it was the end. I think Shalotto had a spell in the team and then Bruno came back in when we had lost a couple of games, I think, didn't he? And then, yeah. Yeah, because so, I remember that. he came, because one of the games we were talking about was that Man United game at the Amex where Gross yeah. scored. You know, he obviously he played in that, and we were talking about in that game particularly. You know, their, their front three was Martial, Rashford, and I can't remember who else it would have been Sanchez potentially. Yeah, so yeah, we were saying yeah, he came back in at a time when you know, he hadn't played yeah. a lot, and yeah, so he was still an important player, really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there we go. Anyway, that, anyway. I think just about sums it up for. Uh, so, so thumbs up to Bruno on a great career. Yeah. And, yeah. What a great, great guy. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a guy! Excellent. Well, I'll have to check that out. That's on uh, Josh's Together podcast. So yeah, it's well worth listening to. And luckily, it's it's mostly it's mostly Bruno talking rather than us. So it's well worth worth tuning into. Marvelous. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, check that out. It's Together the podcast name. It's on the usual platforms. Worth a listen. If you haven't already, we've got a couple of episodes that've already been out this week. The uh, episode thirty was us speaking to Michelle Kuypers. And episode 31 was our tribute to Michael Robinson. Uh, just to conclude, uh, Michelle Kuypers, uh, who we spoke to on Thursday evening, Peter, that was a great one as well, wasn't it? Good it was, value. yeah. It was great. He was really good value. He was, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting anecdotes about his time, time in the Marines and then his time at Albion and that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And he could confirm he definitely wasn't a former <laughs> Dutch chef. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plot spoiler, sorry. <laughs> it, it is quite surreal, though, sitting here, you know, during lockdown, sitting at home, having chats with, like, a former Albion players and that sort of thing. It's a bit, like, yeah. a bit, a bit it random, is. isn't it? But yeah, we, I mean, I'm really it. good. Yeah, it's really nice to be able to do that. 
and um, yeah, long may it continue. It's, it's, it's good, good stuff. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Thank you very much. We'll see you again. We'll speak together as a, as a three in a couple of weeks, I think, when we do our next yeah. one. We're trying to see if we can get Josh in as well, possibly, for that. So uh, um, to coincide with the end of what would have been the end of the season, uh, with a, a visit to Burnley away on the Sunday, I think. Everyone's favourite ground. Yeah, I wonder if we would have needed a result in that. That would have been really painful if we failed to get one. Rodriguez one. sends us down or something. That would have been the worst place to get relegated. Yeah, yeah. Still might, still might be the worst yeah. place to get relegated. Yeah. Well, probably, be a, probably be a neutral ground anyway. So, <laughs> well, yeah. if we if we can all get together on that one anyway in a, a couple of weeks on the Sunday, we'll see if we can get Josh along as well. It'll be quite interesting to get his views yeah. on this, the season as it was and uh, whatever else. Um, uh, until then. Uh, cheers, fellas. Thank you, Pete. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, Russ. Thanks, Robin. Cheers, Robin. The Albion Stand Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.